Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Williams and you're listening to Know Your Own Psychology. After many years building a successful career as a psychologist, I finally realised that it didn't reflect the autonomy and freedom I wanted in both my life and work. As I made plans to begin working for myself, my husband died suddenly and my whole world fell apart. But with a young family to look after and big dreams I did not want to give up on, I took some time and in the middle of the global pandemic, I left my old life behind. Today, I'm a private psychologist, digital course creator, mum to five and best-selling author. My mission is to simplify psychological ideas so that you can know your own psychology, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose. Are you ready to be empowered? This is Know Your Own Psychology, the podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the podcast. So I took a bit of a break last week for the Scottish schools midterm holiday, but this week I am back with a solo episode just for you. And it's been a while since I've flown solo, so I'm quite excited to dive into this one. Now, I should say we are going to be going deep today, so if you're not feeling it, you're a bit under the weather, maybe hit pause, find another episode and come back to this one when you're feeling more resilient and up for a full-on deep dive. Okay, otherwise, if you're still here, go grab a cuppa, a notepad and settle down to get started on challenging your childhood conditioning. Now, this episode is designed to be interactive and almost like you're having a mini therapeutic session with some time to stop and reflect on yourself and your journey throughout. Okay, I hope you enjoy. So I want to start firstly by addressing the question of what childhood conditioning actually is. You might have heard it spoken about before, perhaps even in my captions across on social media, but never really fully understood what I was referring to. So for me, childhood conditioning is a broad term for the messages that we received as children from the adults around us. And over time and through a process of repetition, What happens is we gradually internalise these messages until we just accept them willingly. Now, these messages might have been spoken to us. So, you know, the classic ones like children should be seen and not heard or it's not polite to question those in authority, like teachers, for example. Or here's a good one. If you're going to do something, you might as well do it right. By the way, that last type of message underpins traits like perfectionism as adults. But there are quite literally hundreds of different messages that have been conveyed to us in a multitude of ways throughout our childhood. And I believe that childhood conditioning is much broader than just the attachment patterns that you will hear me speak about, which are usually more typically linked to our primary caregivers exclusively. So these messages that we might have had are from not just those primary caregivers, but other adults um, that are around for us, whether that be through, you know, extended family, through mentors, coaches, teachers, all of those types of things. 
And sometimes the messages might not have been offered up to us verbally, but have been more implicit. And what I mean by that is you might not have been given that message in a traditional way, but actually you've internalized that message because of how an adult behaved in response to you, okay? So perhaps you simply picked up on or got the feeling that something wasn't okay. Now, one example of this that I see in many of my clients is the internalized message that big emotions are not okay. They're just simply not welcome here. And perhaps when you were small and going through some big feelings, they were minimized by the adults around you or ignored even. Psychologists will talk about this as a lack of emotional containment. And if this describes you, then I want to let you know that it will be harder for you as an adult to contain your own emotions because you were never actually taught how to do it in the first place. And I think this is something that we don't always understand about these things. And also, if that's been your childhood experience, as a parent, you might also struggle to know what to do with our kids' big feelings as well. Now, for the record here, I want to say very clearly that this is not meant to be blaming either of ourselves or of our parents. But if we can know where this stuff originates and why, then we absolutely stand a much better chance of breaking that cycle. And incidentally, this is one of the key motivating factors my clients tell me about before they choose to work with me. They quite often have a very strong desire not to pass down unhelpful or unhealthy messages to their own kids that were passed to them by their parents. Now, one way to also consider whether this is reflective of you is to ask yourself how good your emotional language is. So adults who have perhaps had this message offered up to them as children will struggle when asked to name their emotions and their feelings. In my clinical practice, I spot this stuff really easily Because when I ask how something made someone feel, they either can't tell me or more typically they offer me a thought or a behaviour instead rather than an emotion. And it's because nobody has ever scaffolded the learning required for them, one, to recognise the emotion in the first place, two, to label that emotion accurately and three, to work out what on earth to do to contain that emotion and regulate your emotional state back down. I wonder how this is landing with you. So on that note, it's time to get out your notebook and pen and ask yourself the following questions. Question number one. What were the messages you received in childhood? Take a few minutes to reflect on this. Were they spoken or much more implicit? Question number two. What is your emotional language like now as an adult? 
could it be improved upon? And question number three. Are there certain environments or circumstances when you struggle with your emotional language more or less? Okay, hit pause now and take some time to reflect. Don't be cheating now, unless you're driving. Please don't do this while you're driving. (laughs) Right, I'll be back in just a minute. Okay, so how did that go? I hope you've now started to build your self-awareness around your unique childhood conditioning. And once we know what the messages have been, we're then in a much more informed position to identify how we may still be living by these messages years and years later. Our childhood conditioning quite literally shapes up our personality and how we then show up in the world and in the relationships we have with others. It can impact things like how passive or confrontational we may be, how confident we feel, or how willing to be vulnerable we are. And if we choose it, it is our job then to determine what messages were helpful and which we would ultimately like to challenge and change. And let me say this, Change is not an easy process either. If you think about this logically, you will have held these messages with you for often a very long time, decades in fact. And so it's just impossible to change them overnight. I'm often saying to clients within my programs and one-to-one therapy clients that this is lifetime work. And that's a great thing actually, because the expectation is not to confront and shift everything immediately overnight. Instead, what I want people to be thinking about is making change incrementally, bit by bit. And we also know that this is best for implementation and long-lasting change. So let's say, for example, you realise that as a result of your childhood conditioning, you are prone to acquiescing to other people's needs and wants. The reasons for this are likely a whole other podcast episode, but let's say you've identified that you often acquiesce and please others, but now as an adult, you're recognising that this is actually the detriment to your own needs and mental well-being. Well, challenging your conditioning the next time you're faced with a situation of meeting your needs or someone else's simply means taking a decision in that moment to choose to meet your needs first. That's it. And I say simply, but we all know that this is anything but simple. But I do want you to pay attention because this stuff is powerful. And when you're aware of what you're doing, you will start to see that same pattern show up repeatedly again and again. And the beautiful thing about that is when you're aware of that, you then have the opportunity to change it over and over again until the message that you had internalised from the messages you received when you were younger changes over time to the new one that your alternative behaviour starts to create. I like to call these the micro moments where change becomes possible 
just one small decision at a time. These are never, you know, massive decisions. It's always incremental small decisions that over time we build upon. And what we're really doing as adults now, leaning into this type of self-development work, challenging your childhood conditioning, is taking responsibility, radical responsibility, to re-parent ourselves. Yeah. Isn't it funny thinking about it like that? We're literally reparenting ourselves as adults. Okay, the last thing I want to say about this part is that we're often told that if we change our thoughts, then everything else follows. And while I absolutely agree with the power of our thoughts, clinically what I've seen is how if we tackle things behaviourally first, The thoughts have literally no option but to catch up naturally by default. Now, psychologists call this behavioural activation and it's a really super strategy if you are feeling particularly stuck. So behaviour first, thought second. So let me give you a very brief example. So let's say you are that person who meets everyone else's needs and a friend or a colleague or a partner asks you to cancel your plans to do something with them. But the plans you had made were around your own self-care, things that you needed to do to, you know, prioritise your mental health and well-being. So imagine that you make a decision not to cancel your plans and you hold that boundary and say, nope, I'm not going to do this with you because. Now, I'm not going to deny that there is likely to be an emotional reaction to your shifting behaviour. Usually what happens is we feel really guilty in an example like this. But over time, what you're doing is you're teaching yourself to tolerate that negative emotion of the guilt. And eventually, you might even be able to let it go completely. And this is what keeps people stuck. When you get into that you know, place of challenging your own behaviour and doing something different. It's the intolerable emotion that pushes people to then go back and not be consistent with the changes that they're making because it just feels much more comfortable to do the thing we've always done, right? So your job is to keep going, do it consistently and eventually you might be able to let it go. Now, I've got a couple more questions for you to consider in this section before we wrap things up. So after these questions, hit pause and spend some more time reflecting on these questions. Question number one, how are you still living by the messages you received in childhood, even now as an adult? Question number two, How often do you notice the micro moments where you could choose to make a different decision? Question three, consider one area where you feel stuck in making a change and tell someone what you're going to do differently next time. In fact, actually, why not drop me a message and tell me what it is? I would love to be your accountability partner in this. Okay, I'll be back in just a second for some final thoughts. So my final thought for today's episode is around how more and more in the work I do, 
I recognise that it's not just our childhood conditioning, but also societal conditioning that shapes us. So it's those cultural expectations around what it is to be masculine or feminine. And because I'm a woman, I'm so aware of what is expected of me as a female, as a mother, as a professional. And for many, many years, I tried to fit the various moulds that were presented to me. And I think over time, when we just try to fit the mould, it leaves us feeling misaligned. And I wonder if that resonates with you. You know, the cultural conditioning of women to be a certain way, to live a certain way, to show up in life a certain way. Now, I share this because I have decided to offer a free webinar on this very topic to celebrate International Women's Day on the 8th of March. And this also coincides with my course launch week. And in the webinar, I will be discussing with you your female psychology. And in addition to that, we'll be talking about relational trauma, societal conditioning, post-traumatic growth, and the pressures of being the good girl. If this is meaningful to you, and you would like to reserve your space, I'd love you to come along. What you need to do is go to the website, www.com knowyourownpsychology.com forward slash female and input your details there. I'll also put the link to this in the show notes for you. I've already had over 100 signups and I would really love to connect with more of you, those who are listening, who I never get to um, meet in person or connect with. But in the meantime, I do hope this episode has given you something to think about and implement in your here and now. Okay, I'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Know Your Own Psychology. If you loved it, please share it on Facebook or Instagram for your friends and family. And if you really want to help me out, drop a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, you can email me, hello at drlaurawilliams.com. And if you would like to know your own psychology better, influence all the areas of your life and achieve more meaning, freedom and purpose, come and join my growing community over on Facebook. Search Know Your Own Psychology and make a request.